I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. Okay, Lisa Eldridge is one of the world's leading makeup artists, equally at home with celebrities and red carpet, as with catwalk and editorial makeup. Lisa's career has taken her all over the globe and made her a household name. Lisa's a pioneer of the YouTube tutorial with over 2 million subscribers and over, get this, 210 million views to date. Lisa also has over 1.3 million Instagram followers. Not only that, in 2015, Lisa published her book, Face Paint, The Story of Makeup. The book quickly became a New York Times bestseller and now published in over nine languages. Most Americans only speak one. Lisa has previously lived in Paris, L.A., and is now based in London. Lisa regularly works with fashion photographers such as Nick Knight, Solvis Sunsbo, Merton Marcus, and her artistry is frequently appears on the covers of international publications such as Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, and so many more. Her celebrity roster includes most of the A-list, truly, from Dua Lipa to Kate Winslet to Kira Knightley to Nicole Kidman, and her fashion and advertising show credits include Gucci, Prada, Balmain, Jill Sander, and basically everybody else. Lisa is currently the global creative director of Lancome, and in 2018, she launched her namesake brand of cosmetics with the phenomenal True Velvet lipsticks. They are incredible. And there's a lot more to come from the line. Lisa, welcome to In My Chair. Oh, that was such an amazing intro. I don't know what to say. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll separate the recording and send it to you so you can just wake up to that at your alarm clock yeah, every morning. That would be lovely. Thank you so much. Oh, my oh, gosh. No, that was amazing. Thank you. I, I'm oh. very, very happy and excited to be here. Oh, well, I'm super happy to have you here. Um, so what is COVID? Have you been on lockdown in the UK? Like, what has COVID been like for you? Well, it's funny because we're in the third lockdown at the moment, and this is actually the worst one so far. The first one was, of course, awful and um, terrifying, but somehow there was, I guess it was springtime that helped and it was light and everyone was kind of pulling together and there was a spirit of let's just do this and get through this. Whereas um, the second lockdown, I actually worked all through that, so I almost didn't sort of notice it in a way. Whereas this one is, um, we have this very infectious strain here. And in London, the cases are terrible. And there's just constant um, bad news. And a lot of people are catching it. So uh, we're very much um, in the middle of winter. It's dark all day. We're in mm. our third lockdown. And yeah, I'm finding this one really tough, actually, really tough. You probably haven't slowed down. I mean, you're a mother of two. You have a book, a brand, all of the tutorials you do. This is probably the first time in your life, I imagine, that you've slowed down. It really is. It really is. And when the first lockdown came in back in March and April, I really enjoyed it because I'd already been thinking um, we all fly too much and it's crazy and it seems silly, you know, on things like uh, red carpet stuff when people fly you in, when actually there's artists in those countries that could do people and then I could do their artists when they come here. And I felt like right. I'm doing way too much. You know, there's all this flying. It's, it's too much. So I, I'd already kind of started to really think about like how many flights I wanted to take. 
So then being thrown into this not traveling at all, um, I have to say I did really enjoy that. And I quite enjoyed the stopping, the quiet, you know, nature kind of coming back a little bit throughout those sort of early months. And I think it was, on a positive note, a really great moment for the world to stop a little bit and think, hold on a minute, we're all rushing and running everywhere. And maybe let's just have, you know, hit the pause button. And totally. from, that, from that point of view, I did enjoy that first lockdown. And I definitely, it confirmed to me what I thought I wanted to do, which was to, to travel less or, or definitely travel more mindfully and more, you know, if I'm going to go somewhere, I need to make, you know, be there for a while and do a few things and make it more of, you know, rather than the constant, you know, going to airports and checking in all your makeup bags you're there you do a job and then you're going somewhere else that's you know that was fun and I, I did that in the past but um, I don't really think it's um, it doesn't feel right anymore I've heard lots of uh, makeup artists saying something very similar. I think we were so on a, well, we're all on a sort of hamster's wheel and there's, you know, there's the constant, the red carpet circle and then the fashion thing and then all the other stuff that I was doing. It was, there was just never a moment to really enjoy it. And um, this slowing and down thing just made me appreciate it all actually a lot more. Totally. And then with social media too, if you're, if you're not a part of the hamster wheel, you feel like you're, uh, you know, you're not a part of it, you know, you're missing mm-hmm. out or something. So it's like that wheel uh, to me, it just seems like it's faster and faster because there's always something going on, right? Extern- yeah. That you, you think something's going on. Yeah. So, so there is, it does create FOMO, doesn't it? Social media anyway. So we've all, that it's been good for us all just to step back from that and, and think about what we were doing and, how we were doing it and just ask ourselves if we were having fun and enjoying it really. Totally. Totally. I I completely agree. But so I was going to ask you about this anyway, but now that we're on the topic of social media, you're somebody who, well, first of all, when I met you in Rome uh, a year and a half ago for the Bulgari Mm -hmm. event, I was there with Lily Aldridge and I, uh, I knew who you were because you have such a big social media presence. And I just came up to you and was like, I know who you are. I you know talk to you. You were so lovely. But besides that, um, you are like a pioneer on social media. I read that you bought your domain name in the early 2000s. Um, mm. You definitely, I can't think of anybody who's been doing tutorials longer than you or as you know visible as you on YouTube. How did you know or did you know that that's what the future was? I was on a shoot. First, I was really into the internet and what it could bring. And I, I, 
I got my yeah I got my first website in like 2000 with my portfolio on it and I was kind of into the idea of having your own space and being able to present it in the way that you wanted to present it which was most people you know just had their portfolios on their on their um agencies but I love this idea of having autonomy over what you put out so I was definitely interested in like early blogs as they were starting and I thought it was really quite interesting the way beauty was starting to come come out quite strongly mainly through blogs in the early days and then I was on a shoot a kind of fashion shoot and someone said come and look at this thing and we all crowded around um, the computer on the uh, in the studio and it was a very early YouTube tutorial it was a blogger sort of in her bedroom doing her makeup and everyone was kind of laughing at it going oh my god this is hilarious look who's doing her makeup like wanted me to go oh my god what a disaster and I was like oh my god this is genius this is so brilliant and um and you were like I'm actually a makeup artist and could do this better I just thought the whole medium the whole thing was so punk I've said it before in interviews but everyone thought it was a bit naff I'm like I'm sorry this is so punk what we do is is um you know, mainstream, we're going and doing advertising campaigns where we're putting on fake eyelashes and saying it's the mascara. This is the early 2000s, by the way. Right, you right. Know, and, and we're doing these things where we're saying we're using this makeup when we're not. That's all fake. Look at this girl. She's there going, I use this mascara and it was shit. Am I allowed to say that? Um, yeah, I'm, oh, please. You know, and I'm using this mascara. It was rubbish. So um, I was like, this is punk. Uh, right. No one really got it. And and I just got was, fascinated by it. That was like before, even in the way that reality TV is like stripped down. Like we see these yeah. people in their most like gross, you know, state yeah. humanly yeah. and physically and everything. And it was like, every. I, I guess from those ads that you were talking about, like in the early 2000s, I can see them clearly is that it was all fantasy. There was no poor, there was nothing yeah. about it that was realistic. And people are now... So you saw that people actually were looking for for something real. Yeah, I loved the reality of it. And I loved the honesty. Um, Of course, it was all unsponsored back then. So I would genuinely watch people and be interested in what, because they were consumers, don't forget. The girls weren't makeup artists. They were what I would call consumers. So I was working for big brands and I would pick up all my tips on what consumers liked from looking at YouTube and, and find it just so interesting to see what they liked about a particular eyeshadow or a mascara, which may be something totally different to what you or I would, would like right. about it. So you're not an elitist? No, I'm not at all. I'm so not an elitist. I really, I like both worlds. I like I can you know, be. <laughs> you can be an elitist. I, okay, would, I so. think I would have looked at them and gone, oh, well. <laughs> how dare you like do a video about what I do as a profession? You know, I, I don't know that and I'm not proud of it, but I could see myself looking down on them being like, what do you know? Yeah. I think back then though, it was more like regular girls just like showing how they would have fun with makeup and do their own makeup. I did used to find it funny when they'd be like, I'm going to do like Kira Knightley's look from the red carpet last night. And I would be like, okay, I did that makeup. I'm dying to see it. And then I'd watch it and be like, oh, no, that's wrong. But then I I thought, well, that's lovely that she's even liked makeup and, and bothered to do a tutorial about it. So, you know, I would often comment there going, 
great job, you know, you did a good job, whatever. So I really started interacting a lot with um, YouTubers quite early on. And I was just very, I was, wasn't snobby about it at all. And I just said to the big brands, they, they'd say to me, you know, and I'd say, have you seen these girls on YouTube? And they'd be like, oh, yes, but we're a premium brand. You know, what they're doing, it's very amateur. And I used to say to all of them, and I'm sure the people I said this to will back me up, you guys are wrong. You're missing a trick. This is the next big thing. This is going to take over everything. This is the biggest sea change, I used to say, in the industry. This is comparable with the interwar years when the industry, you know, first took off, was commercialized. And everyone would be like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, whatever. But, um, <laughs> so, Lisa, what is it about your the personality or even the 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 lens that you look through the world that you were able to be open enough to see that? Um, I don't know. I think it was, I think I've always been interested in sort of makeup history. So I've always been interested in sea changes and real, real key moments in history. And I just was able to recognize that maybe as, a, a huge, you know, I, I say to brands, the consumers are going to hold all the power and they're all going to be, I, I used to say, everyone will be their own makeup artist. That was my prediction when YouTube started. I said, five years from now, everyone will be their own makeup artist. And then when I was asked for a prediction five years ago, I said, everyone will have their own makeup brand. Um, so it's just something that maybe I'm just because I'm interested in the history and the trajectory is, of beauty. Is that a good thing? I don't know if it's, I mean, it's a good thing in some ways in that if you can make peace with yourself that there's different types of makeup artistry and there's different types of appreciation for beauty. So, okay, I'm a makeup artist, you're a makeup artist. We worked our way up, we did all the free shoots, we did things, we scraped and saved and we got our kits together and we went out there and we worked our bucks off to kind of work our way up in the industry. That's different. And I, I honestly believe that people know that that's about, you know, anyone with any sense knows that there's a difference between someone that's done it for years and, and really honed their skills with making up hundreds and thousands of faces and, and worked hard to somebody that's online, just loving beauty and loving makeup and having an opinion about it. And I think if you can make peace with that within yourself, then there's no reason really to feel any kind of threatening yeah to feel threatened by somebody that is talking about makeup and if somebody says well I'm a makeup artist and I've done this and they you, you, you know maybe you think well you know that's not the kind of makeup artistry that you know we we kind of worked our way up to but it's their type of makeup artistry and they love makeup and I'm passionate about the beauty industry and makeup and it's booming like never before. So it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. I think what makes people, there's always in my mind that the old bitter people who um, the fashion industry has eaten up and spit out. And then, you know, they're just old bitter people in the industry mm. from any time, yeah. time period. It's like the people who just, you can tell they, they're always like, Oh, it used to be, it used to be the only mm. tension there. It's really that you're holding on to an idea of what you wanted the industry to be. When now yeah, it's something things different. Change. Things change and things move on. And 
there's bad things about the old. I mean, I started, you know, in the old industry before retouching and when we just used to fly all over and spend massive budgets and do all this and put fake eyelashes on and, you know, businesses would say it was, that wasn't, there's parts of that that wasn't great. Of course, there are parts that were amazing, you know, when things weren't sponsored and when I started assisting on fashion shows, you know, there was never makeup sponsorship. You could be super creative. So there's, right. there's always good things and bad things about every era, really. And the main thing is things change and it's it's being open to, to, to change and trying to find the something within that new world and, and those new frontiers that inspires you or that you feel you can add to. So you, you're somebody who it, you don't hold on to things. You're kind of able to kind of let, let things go and move on and look at what's next. Definitely. I like things moving quite quickly. Um, I like lots of new things. And I like to be, I don't know why, because I don't like to be scared, but I make myself be scared quite regularly. And I don't know why I do it. And, and I still don't know why I do it. But I remember at the sort of, I've done lots of things that are really probably not great to do if you're working your way up as a makeup artist, but I've chosen to do things which maybe were a little bit subversive as a career trajectory, but they're things that I wanted to experience and I wanted to try. For example, you know, years ago I did this TV show where TV was considered so naff and you couldn't be a fashion person and do TV, but then I'd say, well, if I do it brilliantly and I do a good job and my bit, there's no reason why I can't be. And I was, you know, able to kind of do both. I think it's almost like you have to, um, I don't know, people get quite fearful of um, of trying different things. And I, I actually quite enjoy it. And I think it one thing brings more depth to something else that you're doing. And when you add all those experiences together, personally, I find it a more interesting journey. Certainly the YouTube thing. I definitely, I was terrified when I did my first YouTube video. I was just going to ask you, do you move forward with fear? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I thought this is the end of my career. And I was in a lovely position. I was working with, you know, good photographers. And, you know, I've had such a great um, career and people knew me in the fashion industry. And I was, you know, good relations with the top photographers so after sort of falling in love with the whole YouTube thing, I decide I'm going to do my own YouTube videos. Well, this could be suicide for a fashion makeup artist, or it definitely could then. This is 2010. I mean, people were different, so a totally sniffy, different time. So sniffy about YouTube, they just were like, um, so yeah. So I did my first YouTube but video. Why did you do it? If you had that feeling that you could risk everything, that you could be humiliated, I you didn't say that word, but yeah. I, no, I'm no, imagining it was, it was humiliation. Yeah, yeah. Why you would you do it? In my deepest gut, I thought this is going to be huge, and this is the next step in the beauty industry. And um, I don't believe any fashion people are going to see it. That was another thing that I was kind of hoping. <laughs> because they, were, they won't be on there and they won't see it. And I didn't tell anyone I did it. I didn't publicize it. I didn't say a thing. So it was I a labor really, of love or was it also a business move, business as no, well? No, it wasn't a business move at all. It was nothing to do with business. It was to do with uh, curiosity and interest. I didn't do any, there was no advertising actually then, but I didn't even switch the advertising on when it, when it did come. Um, 
I just was interested in talking about makeup and hearing back from people like all over the world would say like, oh, you know, I use this product and I tried this product and this brand. And I just thought it was really interesting. And I thought it was, it was just so, I'm going to keep saying punk, but it was just so out there. You know, it was a, it was the wild west of honesty in beauty and people saying what genuinely worked. And at the time, everyone kind of did it in their bedrooms. And I thought, well, I think that really would be a fake thing for me to do, to pretend, you know, because I was like a top makeup artist and, you know, stayed in fancy hotels and had a nice little studio. So I thought if I go and pretend to be in my bedroom putting on makeup, I that's not authentic to me. So I thought what would be authentic to me would be a white background because I spend my life in photo studios. So I set up a white background and I lit it as I would if I was going to do like, it wasn't very well lit back then, by the way, but I need, and the sound was terrible. But the look and feel was definitely, I thought, represented me in my daily life and who I was. So there was definitely a lot of, it just felt very authentic. And, you know, I just thought I'll do five videos. Honestly, I thought I'll do like four or five videos for fun. I just want to see what this is like, what people, who I get connected with, what conversations I have, what I can learn from the people that watch. And I thought probably after like four or five videos, you know, I'll be, that'll be it. And then it just started to grow and I had really nice people like leaving comments and they would ask me about makeup and I would find it really interesting like what their take was on makeup it improved me as a product developer it was almost free r&d because they would feedback about all kinds of products or tell me about brands i didn't possibly know about and you know talk about their skin tone or their skin type or or problems that they were having and it just it was so interesting because we work with very beautiful models and and celebrities and you know it was just so nice to kind of i used to say you know, during the day, I'm with this huge, you know, model or movie star. And at night, I'm talking to a nurse in Cincinnati. Who's, I'm trying to help her with her eyeliner. It was all very sort of high end. Which is end. very satisfying, right? Which I love. I love, you know, because even at that time, I had a contract with Chanel and a contract with um, a very, um, you know, a boots brand here in the UK. So oh, yeah. I was, I was always sort of straddling those two worlds of sort of high and low end and I always I just think I I like all of it so I'm not I'm not kind of um, put off by one thing or the other did you have any backlash from either uh, other makeup uh, photographers or brands for for doing this kind of pedestrian you know outlet well, the funny thing is, it took them three years to notice me on there, <laughs> by which time I had like, I don't know, 200,000 subscribers or whatever it was back then, I can't remember. Um, it was really interesting. I went on this super trendy, cool job um, for a magazine, and it was so edgy and everything was so cool, and I kind of walked in, and the hairdresser's assistant, it was said, oh, my God, Lisa Eldridge, I love your YouTube tutorial. And it was like, you know, in those movies when they do the lens where you suddenly go backwards into the backdrop slowly. It was like that because everyone looked at me. And um, someone said, you do YouTube? And I was like, yes, yes, but it's not for you. It's for real people. And I just kind of carried on. Were you embarrassed (laughs) when you – 
when you yeah, said that? I was, I was yeah, I was taken aback. I was taken aback because I didn't expect. Um, it was the first time it ever happened, so I was a little bit like thrown. Um, yeah, and I always used to worry as well that publicists would see me on there and say, "Oh my God, you can't book Lisa Eldridge for our big celebrity now because um, you know she's on YouTube and it's kind of embarrassing." Um, so I remember like being with Kate Winslet one time and. Um, I'd worked with her quite a lot, and, you know, all throughout those years that I'd been doing YouTube. And it was just one day when um, a, a friend of hers turned up and I didn't know the friend. And she said, oh, you know, this is Lisa. She does my makeup. Oh, and she has these amazing videos on YouTube. You should check them out. You can learn so much. And I said, do you know about my YouTube tutorials? And she was like, oh, God, yeah, we all watch them. They're so good. Um so that was when it kind of was out in the open. So that was like 2013, maybe. For people listening who don't know um, that side of the fashion industry, before social media and before Vogue started putting um, like certain types of celebrities on their cover, they used to be very snobbish, very cliquish. And it, everything in the fashion industry came from the top down. It was like haute couture. It went to the designers and then it went to the editors. Now everything has been, it's like a pineapple upside down cake. It's like everything's from the street, which is when you say mm -hmm. punk, that's what I think of. It's like, we're all looking to see what people on TikTok or people on Instagram are doing. And that's trickling up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but so at that time when you were doing it, I, I didn't have a channel or anything, but I, I can so see myself seeing somebody in our industry being like, oh, well, she does. So, you know, that thing, it must mean you're not mm -hmm. this thing. Yeah, no, it was definitely like that. It was, it was still all about high fashion. And, you know, if you worked with this photographer in these groups and it was very cliquey, very, very cliquey. And I was in those cliques. So I was part of that world, but I also had a fascination for trying new things. And I do say sometimes that if I was doing exactly what I was doing when I started my makeup career still today, going on shoots, doing the makeup, I love it. You know, I still love shoots, but I don't know if I would feel as excited by makeup anymore. I I'm excited because I've tried so many things and done so many things that I'm constantly interested in, in trying new things. I mean, I, I think, yeah, some of your, I think sometimes some of your best ideas come out of mundane or boredom. It's like, if you really want to be creative, turn everything off and be still, right? So like, yeah, you're doing, doing makeup at this point, like you've done eyeliner 15,000 times. And then it's like, you know, trying something new makes you actually like doing eyeliner again. Definitely. Now, when I go on editorial shoots, for example, I call them my day off because they're just so freeing and so lovely and so exciting and so creative. Um, so, you know, but had I just constantly done that and nothing else, maybe I wouldn't be so um, excited still. So some of the best makeup artists in the world are British and and stylists and hairstylists and photographers and a lot of them actually end up moving to the states and work back and forth how mm. did you get into that click because i always found it very hard to um like your agent can't really get you those types of jobs it's very um clickish how with all that competition in the uk and these masters of their craft how did you go from from I don't even know if you assisted or not, but how did you go from that to getting in? 
I think I just started, like most people, doing tests, you know, free shoots and meeting young photographers and, and, and trying to meet, you know, new hairdressers and stylists and models. And I did a stint in Milan back in the early days of, you know, testing and do, meeting photographers and all of that stuff. And then I did a little bit of assisting. I assisted Mary Greenwell and Lucia Peroni. Um, and that was really interesting just to, I always think even if you don't do a lot of assisting, do it with, if you can, with somebody like a big name, because it just gives you this sense of how to be (laughs) on shoots. Because if you only ever work with new people, I used to think, my God, you know, I feel comfortable with all these people that I'm working with because they're all in a similar level to me. But can you imagine if, like, I don't know, Madonna or a big a big model walked or supermodel walked in? Would you be the same? I used to think, you know, I was always interested in that. And I think doing some work with Mary Greenwell was obviously great to see that you you are it is the same. It doesn't matter who who the person is. You're the same person. Right. Um, and you know, doing some assisting is just always. I think it's it's a great thing to do. It, it it really opens your eyes to how the industry works and how relationships work and how personalities connect on shoots and, and big egos as well. Oh my God. Yeah. And I also think it, it, you know, unless you've been on a shoot where you see how the image becomes the cover of a magazine or how a beauty campaign is made, you don't know what it actually looks like. And also, mm-hmm. what is your responsibility? Because I, I knew, because I had assisted, I, I think for like five or six years, if I was on a bad shoot, and there's so many of them where the photographer didn't know how to light it, I knew it wasn't mm-hmm. me. I would have beaten myself yeah. up if I didn't know that. I go, no, this is not the makeup. You need to light it better. Yeah. So it, t- it teaches you kind of like your eye. If, you, if you're assisting someone amazing and they're working with everyone amazing, you actually get a to peek into the world of excellence and it, it stays with you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think even a combination of that and then just learning the hard way would, sorry, did you hear that beep? That was on my no. computer. Maybe it didn't come through. Okay, good. Um, yeah, no, I think a combination of that and doing just as many shoots as you can. I used to do so many test shoots because I would learn that that light, you know, an HMI would make it look like that. A flashlight would make it look like that. This type of setting on a camera would make it look like that or that background. And I think that is so invaluable to have that time when you can mess up a bit with when you're starting out. Make your mistakes early, yeah. Yeah, if you're working with young photographers and young makeup artists, we're all kind of in it together. You're able to, um, you're just able to learn by experience. And it's so invaluable. It really is. So you also are one of the people in the UK that, and it's not even that common here, who really do high fashion and then also do celebrity. Yeah, you, no, it's really not common at all. And I can see why. <laughs> yeah, tell me why. I'll tell you why, because I've heard it from big other big makeup artists and big hairdressers. That, of course, when you're on a fashion shoot, you uh you've got you know you've got the screen there you can look at it if it's not perfect you can go in and touch it up you can change it you're working with a photographer that you trust and who's amazing and what comes out the other end is going to be killer your makeup is going to look great everything that you wanted this makeup to look like it's going to look like red carpet all bets are off i mean you might not get as much time as you wanted 
you're going to get some horrible paps doing some hideous pictures with terrible lighting. Um, anything that you've made a mistake of on the makeup will show up because they'll do the big close-up. It'll be on the internet after five seconds after they step on the red carpet. So it's risky. It's risky to do the red carpet. It's terrifying at times. <laughs> So why would some? Uh, this is what I heard from a really big. Um, it was a big hairdresser, big fashion hairdresser, and uh, and a big fashion makeup artist. Why would you do that when you can just be in a studio, do the makeup you want, take the time you need to do it, and have it represented perfectly? And probably even you know, if there's any issues, it's going to be in post production. It's going to be gorgeous. Why would you risk your you know your reputation doing um, red carpets? I think it comes back to me just enjoying that sense of like putting myself in, in a slightly scary position again. You know, it's yeah, so got you to think, good. It's got to be perfect. So you think um, doing celebrity makeup is harder than doing fashion makeup? Definitely. I think it's harder because you've got personalities. Um, you know, you've got somebody that's maybe not really into red carpets um, uh, because lots of actresses, as you know, you know, it's, quite terrifying for them as well as it should be because it's a, a weird sort of world um and then you've got the whole thing of there's no con- you can't control anything maybe the interviews ran over you didn't get as much time as you wanted um i've had issues where you know somebody's dress is suddenly broken or something at the last minute as you probably have as well um or somebody's had a meltdown because something's happened so it's it's all on it, there's no control then the makeup's got to look perfect. The makeup's got to be up to huge scrutiny. And this is new, don't forget. I did red carpet back in the day when one image would appear the next day in the newspaper. That was right. nice, you know, because like the next day you'd be like, oh, well, that was, it looks good or whatever. And they used to look for the good pictures then. It was before all the, um, you know, the sites where they want the bad picture. So, right. so now like you know, the pictures there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing is, you know, they're just a load of photographers that, you know, you don't really, you know, they've all got their cameras on different settings. Some might be good photographers, some are not as good. And, you know, they get the picture when they're walking along and the the light, you know, they're suddenly under a, a light bulb and they look like they've been lit with a torch from above. So it's not so their yeah, fault. It's the fault of the people running the event. They all cut the budget for lighting the red carpet, which in my opinion is the single most important thing. If you want images from an event, they need to mm. extern- light the red carpet and then they look beautiful. Yeah, no, absolutely. All of that stuff. So I think that from that point of view, red carpet makeup is the most difficult. Is your makeup actually look different? Is your is your coverage different? Like, do you do you approach doing makeup for the red carpet differently than you would on a on a shoot? Yeah, completely differently. It's a whole different thing. Like the skin's completely different. Um, I think that I want more feeling in editorial. If that makes sense, like I want to feel the makeup, and I don't mind imperfections and things. Whereas red carpet. I'm much more strict with myself that it has to be really applied in almost a technical way that I know that I'm going to be feeling very secure that it's going to stay on. It's not going to be too shiny, that the eyeliner is going to be completely straight and completely this and completely that. So it's a more technical exercise. It's definitely more technical. Um, Whereas, which I do enjoy as well. I think it's, you know, it's like keeping two sides of your brain exercise, the technical side of your makeup 
and the more free and creative side, which is the more editorial side that, you know, it's good to kind of hone and, and exercise both sides. Yeah. And I think that if you don't actively do both, you lose one of them. Like, We've all been on set with someone who only does red carpet or celebrity, and that makeup doesn't always translate to a shoot either. Mm. You know, it's too heavy. Yeah, it's too, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. Too done. Too perfect. Mm. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, no fashion photographers want that kind of skin anyway. You know, no one wants that look for editorial. So it is a very different, a very different world. I think that... Um, you know, they're, they're, they're two disciplines, really, two completely different disciplines. And then is it different what you do on your YouTube channel? Yeah, on my YouTube channel would be probably closer to something in between. So it was what I would call real makeup. Like, I never really wanted my YouTube to be, it wasn't ever aimed at makeup artists. I know makeup artists tell me, oh, I watch your YouTube. And, you know, when I was starting out, I used to watch it, which is great. But it was always aimed at sort of real people. And I think that for real people, there needs to be feeling, but there needs to be technicality and there needs to be a sense of the makeup lasting and the makeup wearing well and the makeup looking good, um, you know, in real life, which is a very different thing than editorial. So, I guess it's a sort of hybrid between the two, um, right? But, but not too editorial because I've always wanted to do makeup on my YouTube anyway for regular people that don't necessarily want a greasy black eye with no foundation, you know, on a on a daily basis. <laughs> so it's like for eight um, hours at work. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, no, that's completely different. And how do you how do you deal? I'm. I feel like I'm overly sensitive to a, I'll still put myself out there, but it's like I'm carrying that sensitivity with me. How do you put yourself out to have, I don't remember, 210 million views and probably 100 million opinions and comments? Mm-hmm. How do you protect yourself? Well, it's it's hard because I don't have a thick skin in that and also, I was brought up in a time when you didn't put yourself out there. You know, you wouldn't show off or have photos of yourself. And you know, particularly in the industry that I started in, the make you know the fashion industry, we were behind the scenes. We were scruffy. We were we weren't there front and center. So I had all of that baggage from that, and having to think about you know putting myself out there was, you know, it was hard and. Um, I still feel sick when I put a makeup tutorial up. The moment, the minute I take it live, I feel sick. And I feel like, oh, my God, like, is it good? Are people going to like it? Um, you know, there's always that feeling of vulnerability, really, and a right. sense of, yeah, you kind of, you said, look at me. And it's 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 hard to do that, particularly if you, you are sensitive and you're, you're just more into the creative side of makeup and makeup as a, as a thing rather than being a personality or being out there. You're into the subject more than you are the exposure. So I think, you know, I've got better at it. I've definitely got better at it. And I think you, you get back what you put out as well. And I never courted any kind of drama because I, I don't like drama. and I find it very exhausting and it takes away from good things that I could be doing. I could be learning about something fascinating and interesting and new, or I could be online 
worrying about somebody that said something about me, that said something about someone else that, that's caused a drama. I mean, life's too short. Life is too short. So you've got to just think about So when, when I do, do you read my the video, comments? Yeah, I do read the comments. I do. I do read the comments because I think it's respectful to people that leave the comments to read them and um, reply to some. I always reply to some. And I don't have anyone do that for me. I do that myself because it's, you know, it's, me talking to my audience so there's no point no one else can do that and I think that um you know occasionally there will be someone that says something funny about my appearance or whatever and I just have to think well you know they they're quite rare um when they happen it's you know what can I do I mean if it was something awful then I would remove it but mainly I just leave it and then I have my audience that usually say I think you're in the wrong place so you right. reply to those type of people and say, oh, um, this is not that kind of a, a channel, or not that kind of a place. Maybe you've kind of, you know, <laughs> come here by mistake. So, um, so yeah, I'm quite lucky that I have a very loyal and brilliant audience that I personally feel are super intelligent. And I've got some very smart followers who, you know, know which ways up. And, um, you Has know, and has yeah. it affected you at all having to even just physically look at yourself so much? Like, I'm, I assume that you're a part of the editing process. You're in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, just by unintentionally, you have to look at yourself a lot. Yeah. If you see all kinds of things that you'd never noticed before, because when you're moving, it's such a different thing. And just weird mannerisms and weird kind of things that I would say or you know, I repeat things that I didn't realize I said so often and lots of things or a weird like click with my mouth. Or so. I'd be like, oh my God, what are you doing? And then I think, well, maybe I do that all the time. So yeah, there is that sense of like looking at the video and I don't really watch the videos back though once they're made because um, I just find them really hard to make. I think, God, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's one way you kind of, preserve yourself is to put it out yeah. there but not folk over overly like critique yeah. or yeah yeah and if someone doesn't like the makeup I'm like fair enough you know fine I, I, I don't care about that at all right. I just think any time I ever switch on the comment like I'm really vigilant on the comments as if I have a guest on and then I'm very protective of them so I'll be right. on there and I'll say if anyone says anything bad about the the model then you know make sure it gets taken down because it's not it's not about that you know, I, I find this thing that like, as an artist, you want learning to trust your own opinion was big for me. Like I learned to evaluate, do I like it or do I not like it? But also having, uh, for me, it's having like, let's say five people whose opinion I really trust and then letting the rest kind of go away because not everybody is going to have the same opinion. How do you like when you said you hope it's good, you feel sick before it comes out. How do you ultimately evaluate if your work is good? Because I, I'm always myself and I'm I'm always checking that I'm myself. So throughout my whole career, even when I've signed big contracts with makeup companies, I've always said to them, but you can't be on any of my social media because I can't do that. I, I, I'll sound like a robot if I have to mention your product or if I have to you know, read a script of any description. So I'm always myself because I'm the person that 
I know what I know and I know what I like to do and I know what my passions are. And if I can tap into those, I'm putting out something which is 100% authentic, then I can totally live with myself. If somebody doesn't like it and says, well, I didn't like the history of makeup, I don't know why, or I didn't like this, I'd be like, well, that's a shame because that's me and that's what I like doing. So that's how I get around it. If I was putting on a personality or pretending to do something and someone critiques it, then I would probably be upset because... But I, I can't do anything about it because I am me. And if I do some, um, if I say something that people don't like, or I talk about a subject that people don't like, or I do makeup that people don't like, I'm afraid that's how I like to do it and what I like to do. So that's me, and no one else can be me. And that's the best thing that I can do on social media is just 100% be myself, and also gives you peace of mind as well. Yeah. It's like that thing, fail at being yourself, don't fail at trying to be somebody else. Oh, definitely. That's what I say to people who want to come on and they say, I want to go onto social media, I want to do YouTube, you know, you've done YouTube. How shall I do it? And I'm like, what do you love? To be like, well, you know, I do makeup, but I also love, I don't know, we'll say something like, I don't know, 1940s camouflage paints or something. And I'd be like, okay, introduce that, put it in a video. No one else will know anything about that. Or... Whatever it is about you, your personality, your foibles, your your little interests, your passions, bring all that in because no one can ever copy it authentically because that's so you. Just be true to that and then you can't do anything more than that. That's all you can do. And that's success. And that is success. And it's also peace yeah. of mind as well. It is peace of mind because you know that you've just been yourself and you've been um Nothing other than that. So you can sleep, rest easy. So, but Lisa, what if you're in a situation where you're the makeup artist and it's a part of a big collaboration and maybe somebody doesn't like what you did or mm-hmm. you're getting a negative comment about it because it happens to everyone. How do you yeah. decipher in your mind, oh, you're right, that's horrible. Or you know what, you don't like it, but I do. How, because sometimes I find when you're in it and you're the artist and you're the vulnerable one, you don't have the, I don't always have the ability to look at everything as an outsider because you're so wrapped up in yourself. So how do you evaluate Mm. yourself when it's not about you as the person on being authentic, but it's about your work? Um, I think that when you're doing things like editorial and you're with a team and everyone's working together and you kind of coming up with ideas and you try ideas and I I tend to not worry too much if I try so I'd rather try something, get it in front of the camera and if I think it could work but the photographer's like, I'm not sure this is gonna work, I'll be like, That's fine, I'll try something else. I I'm quite good at that. I don't take it. But that too takes personally. a level of confidence. That takes yeah, that takes a long time. Okay, that's taken me years. I think it's harder with celebrities and big personalities when you are maybe you know you've turned up on a job you've not met them before you're doing the makeup and the first thing I say when I work with new celebrities is okay tell me what you love tell me what you hate like Mm -hmm. I, I make sure that everything's very open and I'll be like I've looked at images of you and I think this is nice what did you think of that picture and they'll be like well I hated that red lip I'm like okay great you know that's good so I will I'll definitely make it very much a collaboration and I never do that thing where I will do the makeup and show them at the end in a mirror because I think God 
I would never do that. I haven't got the nerve to do that. So I'll do like bits and pieces and say, I'm thinking of this and that, and I'll show them pictures and then I'll do like a bit and then I'll show them. That's smart. And then, and then they'll be like, because you know what, when you do a celebrity, you don't know what their parents said to them when they were growing up. I don't know. You don't know what somebody said to them at school about one of their eyes or something. You don't know. There's a whole level to them that you don't understand about. So you might think they've got an amazing lip shape, but maybe somebody teased them about their lips years ago or something. You don't know what you're dealing with. So I think you have to present yourself immediately and show that you your ego is not in the room. And if I, I usually always say, you know, we've not worked together before, but, you know, I'm here to make you happy so um tell me straight away if there's any kind of looks that you like or don't because i'm thinking of this what do you think about that you've worn that kind of look so and they just feel oh okay okay what i'm thinking and then we then we talk together and i would only start really suggesting things and slightly pushing them a bit more if i'd known the client for a while right and then i would be saying because I think for red carpet, it's so nerve-wracking for them anyway. They want to feel so good and so happy within themselves that as a makeup artist, of course, you're there to bring creativity and make something beautiful. But if they don't feel good in it, it doesn't matter. They won't hold themselves in a confident way if they don't feel good. And they'll never call you again. But do you, do you, will you willingly do ugly makeup? Like, let's say you're working with an 18-year-old who doesn't have good taste has good skin you would naturally go in there and just make it look flawless and pretty and they want you to 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 like slap it on they want like rupaul will you do it for them or do you push back um i've not been too much in that situation uh i've definitely maybe that's the next thing we'll do to make you feel scared yeah i mean i've done a lot of makeup i've done a lot of people's makeup that's not necessarily say my style of makeup but I've I've kind of tried to bring it maybe halfway between the two but then again I can do the RuPaul makeup so if it's needed and I I need it to survive the day I'll do it (laughs) it's not your ego you're like fine if you want to look like that I'll give you the best version of that yeah the best version that's exactly that's the word that's the word I'm looking for the best version of that yeah, uh, that's probably another reason why you're so successful, because, you know, if you can have that kind of flexibility with a client and say, well, it's not what I would do, but I'm going to get out of my out of the way and do it for you, because a lot of people yeah. don't. A lot of people cannot do. I have a hard time. do. I'll admit it. I have a hard time doing a makeup that I don't find beautiful. I just, and I also don't think that I'm good at it. Like if I don't think, if I work with somebody and I'm going, okay, you know what? It's not about me. It's a great payday. I'm going to give them what they want, but it's not my aesthetic. I feel like the next person who that is their aesthetic, they're naturally going to do it better. And then they're going to one up and put a bottom false lash or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is that. I mean, if it's an advertising job, then I've done some, you know, looks that I would think, oh, that was awful. But, you know, you've gone there, you've been paid to do the job and the client has wanted a particular look. I mean, of course, you always want to do your best version of it. And, you know, if there's somebody that I'm working with, say, more of a client, more of a celebrity, I haven't had too many of these incidences. But if I've done it and they just wanted a makeup look, it's happened to me once that I just thought, well, that's terrible makeup. 
and I can't really do that. Then when they called again, I just said I wasn't available. Right. <laughs> or just don't post it on Instagram. Don't post on Instagram and then I, then you're not available after that. Good one. Yeah, it's, you don't have to say yes to every job. I, when you're younger in this industry and you're struggling so much, you feel like you have to say yes to everything. And that's another thing I feel yeah. like as time goes by, you can say, I'm not for everybody and I don't need to be, and, you know? That's so true. I think that that's definitely something that I do a lot of now. I really think about a job and think, is this going to really be fun? Is it going to be interesting? Um, is it a good job for me? And I will decide you know if I think it's going to be the right thing or not but in the beginning of course I did every single job but that's how I got to be experienced and I had some shockers you know some awful experiences as we all do but um, they definitely shape who you are and they definitely help to give you the confidence that ultimately you can face anything. When you had those experiences that like we've all had where you go home well I'll speak for myself and you're like I'm just I'm not good. Like, I don't, this was horrible. Mm. I feel embarrassed. Mm. Do do you stay in that place or how do you, how do you like talk yourself out of it so that you can keep going? Well, it's a horrible experience when that happens. And I think that you have to just work your way out of it. You can't just, until you've had a few good jobs after that, which then gets you out of it. Right. You know, you don't get out of it because you go home and you think, well, that was, you know, that didn't go well or, um, you know, that wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And unfortunately, you don't feel good until you've done four or five great jobs and then you're back on track again. Um, Do you feel like you've had... Sorry. Do you feel like you've had someone intentionally, like in your career, like try to be mean to you or try to make you feel bad? I have like once or twice. And I think, uh, I guess it's the, sh- the shrinky side that I would say that, you know, it's as much about the person as it is about you. And it's more about them usually. So I've always stayed really calm when I felt that. Um that there's something brewing that I always think it's coming from a place of something that you know nothing about. It's not necessarily about anything that you're doing or who you are. So right. I've always so, had that thing and, and thought, well, this is out of my control and I will just be as, you know, I'm going to stay as calm as possible and get through this the best I can. Um, but how, how do you stay calm in that moment? Just carry on. I'm very British. Yeah. But just, just do the makeup. Get the makeup on. Um, if there's problems doing the makeup, uh, if afterwards, you know, there was an issue, as I say, it's only really, I haven't had too much of this, thank God, but I just remember somebody saying, well, I didn't like it. And I said, I'm very sorry that you felt that way. Mm-hmm. And then they tried to have another go at me and I said, I'm really sorry that you felt that way. That's all we can do. Because, you know, it's, but it's Lisa, you job. know, it takes people a lifetime to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Like that's so evolved, you know? <laughs> um, I just think what's the alternative, you know? I get all stressed out and end up in tears or feeling like uh, I want to have a fight with someone. And then because it's not, um, I, you know, like you say, we all have moments where we think, are we good? We've all got imposter syndrome to a certain extent, uh, particularly makeup artists. I don't know why, but lots of them I speak to have imposter syndrome. Totally. I guess it's because it's because it's a career which is creative and unlike 
a career like, um, you know, a doctor or somebody that you learn, accountant, for example, you know, you're either a good accountant or a bad accountant. And, and if the figures add up, you're good. If they don't, you're bad. Whereas makeup, it's very much, it's in the eye of the beholder. So what's good to somebody is not good to somebody else. And, you know, even if you follow all the technical guidelines for good makeup, there is a sense of you have to put your own personality into it as well. And, you know, there isn't any like all art there isn't any one scale of yes this was good and this was bad so I think you've got to just be as good as you possibly can be always be learning because we can you know as soon as you say I can do this and I'm the best and I'm amazing I think that's a that's a mistake as well and I think it's always good to be a little bit nervous before a job because it just means that you care and if you care you want to do a good job and if you want to do a good job you probably will um yeah, so I feel I like the world is filled of people who are either not nervous at all, so they can be take as many risks as they want and be kind of out there, or the the side that I'm on is there's always a little bit of tension or nerve nerves because uh, it's what helps to put, a put you in the moment and be you know mm-hmm. critical. If you're if you're somebody who's very critical, then you're going to have yeah. That. But also, it can drive creativity as well if you feel that adrenaline kick in. Right. You know, you can you can tap into that creativity as well. I guess everyone's different, but I think for me, when I feel that kind of sense of, you know, what we're going to do today and uh, how exciting can this be? It there is that feeling. Oh, you know, it's it is really quite an exciting feeling, and I, I I love that feeling. And when it happens and you start to create, um, and it's going well, then it's the best feeling in the Nothing world. Nothing like it. Yeah, it's it's so good. And the problem with the pandemic is you don't, I haven't had that feeling in so long, like that feeling of accomplishment in a work setting because you're like, you know, not given the opportunity. Do you you remember the last time? Because we heard you say a couple of times about that feeling of fear or like, you know, kind of wanting to, to feel that sense. Like what was the, when was the last time that you really felt like, oh shit, this is scary. About three weeks ago. (laughs) <laughs> okay can you tell me about it yeah I'm doing a, a documentary series for the BBC and I've never done a documentary series before and the the head of the BBC said oh this is so exciting it's the first time we've ever had a non-academic front um, a major history series I was like thank you very much you just scared <laughs> the living daylight out of me um, yeah so like imposter syndrome times a million and yeah, and I, I've been shooting it for, uh, I think it's about the end of September. My last two days, actually, are next week. Can I'm you tell us what it's about? I don't think I can say exactly okay. yet, but it's a, it's a documentary series, and it's about sort of history of exploring history of vanity. Um, it has been shot during the pandemic, so it is more from a European point of view because we've only been able to, obviously, access locations Right. close to where I live in London and um so but I think oh hopefully it's gonna be good. We'll see. It's it's I'm doing the voiceovers in a couple of weeks, so I think it might be out. Oh in wow springtime. Yeah. Well you let, you have to let me know where it comes out. Like I'm sure you'll say it on your um social media. Yeah, no definitely I'm 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 excited about it. Uh I think I, I think it's good. I don't know. I mean I've just put myself out there in a big old way. 
That's what I like to do. Yeah. Well, listen, at the end of your meal of life, you're going to have had a lot of courses. You know, you wear so many hats. It's like the book, the career, the makeup, the mom, the, it's like, you know, I would, I would rather, I find that inspiring because I'd rather look back and say, okay, I tried all of these different things than just, you know, I did that one thing and it was fine, Mm. you know? Yeah, Um, I think it's good. And you fail at some of them and that's good as well because you just think, well, actually that wasn't as great as you thought it was going to be. And then I'll try something different. This is a left-hand question, but, um, have you ever had trouble at work because you're so beautiful? Um, well, thanks for saying I'm beautiful. You, you um, truly are a stunning beauty. And I wonder if ever that's threatening for, for anyone. Yeah. Do you know, what, do you know what's really funny? Um, when I was studying years ago, uh, that sort of history of Bollywood and I just got really interested in, Indian film maybe like 10 years ago or something and I was interested in the makeup artistry and all of that stuff and back then it was still not legal to be a female makeup artist on a Bollywood film set and I got so fascinated by this because the idea was that they couldn't have a woman doing a woman's makeup because the woman would be jealous of the woman's beauty and would might try to sabotage the makeup I mean really kind of misogynistic reasoning behind it and um so what i tend to do is when i go on and this is this is only my own feeling that i do i i just like i would never dress up or put makeup on when i go on a makeup job because i also feel like it's not about me like i don't want to turn up in like firstly i won't be comfortable anyway in like dressed up and high heels or makeup on so i think that I'm there to be, I like to be the champion of the client. Like I'm, I'm, I'm quite um, nurturing in that way. I'm quite a, you know, mumsy, I guess, but I like to be like, I want the client to feel amazing and look beautiful. And I just don't want to be there worrying about my hair or my makeup or, so I tend to look like a tramp when I go on jobs and you think I'm joking, but I genuinely, um, I often do look like a tramp when I go on, on, on makeup jobs and I'll be in sort of, you know, something pretty scruffy. And um, occasionally, you know, like I'll have a bit of makeup on very rarely. And even my clients would be like, oh, my God, you know, you put your makeup on today. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting question. But it did really remind me of that whole Bollywood thing of whether people get, you know, get concerned about it. But. No, I, I think, don't. I don't. I've never had that issue. But then again, I don't try and compete ever. Right. With, it's um, probably the energy you put out. Because there are. I also think again in our industry there are the people who are very fabulous and show up with the handbag and you know the the mm. Saint shoes and it's or the guys you know and um, yeah. it's about that show and being like you've got a makeup artist who's top of the line and fabulous or you're there be- yeah. being like i'm here to do a job and uh you know i know kind yeah. of know the pecking order true i think for me if the makeup's phenomenal uh that's the happiest and the best result for the whole thing so all i care about is that so there's no time for anything else other than is the makeup really good like beyond good was everyone really happy was I really happy was I happy with everything I did do I feel great after it 
So everything else is secondary. So of course, if I've got like a blemish, I'll put concealer on it because I don't want to turn up looking awful. But I don't want to like, I'll tie my hair back. It's not anything about me worrying about or a handbag or anything like that. I don't really care about stuff like that. I really don't. So um, it's about the makeup and, and my kit being perfect and, you know, the job being done really well. Do you think that just being a woman has been harder than being, you know, a man or a gay man? I think that in the fashion industry, we're quite lucky that women and men are pretty equal. Um, certainly since I've been doing it, there's been a sense of men and women are totally, in, we're all in it together and we're all creative. And I've not felt at any point that it's been an issue being a woman, which is really good. Um, but I do feel like Maybe at times, you know, I've been more of a, I mean, I, I like to have a laugh and everything, but if I've ever been like, I've not been the biggest party animal, like I don't really do that because probably because I've been a mum for quite a long time as well. So sometimes you feel like people will be going out to clubs, you know, I mean, years ago we're talking about, and, you know, I probably had a baby then and I was a bit like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not as um, fabulous in that way. But then, I don't really care, so it's fine. Right. I mean, that's like the thing too. If you if the if at the end of the day you have to do your job and do it really well, and then on top of it, like have no life outside of it to go out with people, it's like then you've given your whole self to a career that's gonna you know end yeah, up not being there for you. Um, I've never gotten a job in my life from going out or networking. It's just not how. I mean, maybe I have and don't remember, but it's always like, oh, you got to meet people and do this and that. And it just does, it just feels so phony to me and fake. I also mm -hmm. like yeah. to have a good cocktail and go out. So if it's not work for me, if I'm with a group and it's fun, then I'm all, you know, I'm down for it. But it's not, I'm not like um, best friends with my clients. It's not like we're really, you know, there's a time to go out with your friends and carry on. And then there's a time at work and it, it is different. Yeah. Totally Definitely. different. I agree. I agree. Um, in terms of being gay, I probably do have some privilege. Um, I probably do have some privilege that I haven't really unpacked all the way. I would think that women in America probably feel like gay guys have um, an easier time. I'm sure in terms of having a strong opinion and putting it out there, I think it's easier. I think it can be easier for men because we're expected to kind of, uh, we're not labeled like you're a bitch or you're uh, whatever if you're being yeah. have a strong personality, <laughs> right? There's a yeah. double standard. So it's like, oh, I'm just passionate. Yeah. Whereas a woman can be like, oh, I can't stand her, you know? Yeah, she's difficult. She's a right. Yeah. 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 But I, yeah, I, I also think that you end up working with, like my clients are cool. Like I, I end up working with people who like, are like-minded in a way. Like if I work with somebody who's just so different from me, it's just not going to last, you know? Yeah, I think that's right. I think we all attract the clients that, you know, we attract and, and we're happy working with them. They are with us. And then you sort of, whenever I get bookings, they'll often be for people that almost remind me of young, you know, if I get new actresses and things, it'd be like younger versions of other people that maybe I already do their makeup. So, uh -huh. or maybe they've, maybe they've seen the work that you've done on these big, big stars and then they want you to kind of start doing their makeup. But yeah, it's interesting how um, you do, 
you do get to well you don't get to choose your clients because they book you so that's interesting in itself very and that's (laughs) something you have to learn I I think people don't understand that like it's a constant um like like dangling the carrot in front of you like there's this great job and oh it's gone away and then you know this person wants you now they don't so really developing a kind of hard shell but like a a hard shell that's still soft on the inside. So you're not like hardened. What is really important to you right now at this point in your career? Um, I'd say that being creative still is because I've obviously been working, you know, now I've done this documentary series thing and I kind of, I'm spending a lot of time on my own products and still working with my clients, but I think that I still want to be creative. So I'm always interested in working with still young people and new people coming through. Like I did a shoot not that long ago with a, a young photographer and what I was before. And I thought, God, this is really so great to do. I still want to do that. Um, I think I just want to consolidate a little bit. You know, I want to keep going with, makeup artistry but I'm I'm always open to new things and learning new things I, I'm somebody that if I'm learning something new I'm happy you know some weeks I'm like I want to do a degree of in cosmetic science you know I'm looking into doing that and I'm thinking are you really do you have time for that do you have, I'm thinking to myself hold on a minute do you really have time to do this is this a bit silly and then other times I'm like I want to go back and do painting or something so I'm always I'm always interested in thinking about new things that I can learn um and the rest of the time I'm just interested in peace of mind so I don't want to work with anyone that I think is going to be drama dramatic I don't want to be doing things that are going to cause me um too much stress or headache and I kind of want to really help I guess you know I've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes with my um youtube channel because all the money goes to charity and i've got some other things that i'm thinking of doing like that so i'm always interested in other things as well so i think i'm just going to try and stay sane and and keep learning really yeah i I just want to be you (laughs) (laughs) sarah i'm like thinking about your life i'm like fuck i want i just want that i I just want to eventually be you um (laughs) This is a, I just love everything that you said. It's just so, um, and, and it's not only that you said, I knew that I know that you give all of the proceeds of your YouTube channel to charity and that must just feel incredible. And everything that, that I get the sense from you, even when I met you in Rome, when, when you meet people in our industry, a lot of people are, have their guards up or feel like, um, it's you or me, or there's not enough room for everybody. And I just don't, I feel like listening to you that, that you, you just think that everybody has a place and that there's enough to go around. Absolutely. I do. I think that there's more than enough jobs. Um, I think some that you're right for some you aren't, other people are going to be best, better suited to them. Some that you won't want to do. So you'll want somebody else to do those jobs. And I think that that is something that you've really just got to um, almost make peace with, that there's stuff for you out there that you're going to attract and you're going to really enjoy. You're going to enjoy working with the right people on the right jobs and doing the right projects. And it's different for every single person. So I'm never, ever 
feeling, oh my God, you know, all these new makeup artists coming through. I, I love it. I, I, I love talking to young makeup artists and, you know, I'm mentoring a couple at the moment sort of privately on Instagram and I just think it's fun. You know, it's, it's exciting. I want them to have a good time in the industry and if I can give them any advice, you know, at all, then I'll, I'll do that. And I think that, um, like you were saying about, you know, just wanting to um, try different things as well. I think don't be frightened of that. I think COVID maybe has helped us all to think about that as well, that, you know, if it's not just a makeup job that you're going on at the moment, we're not. So there are other things you can do. And it's really just thinking about what could I be doing with this time? How could I use it? What could I learn at this time? Um, and kind of putting that into into process really yeah i love that do you have anything that's like cheap like do you watch like real housewives <laughs> do you do anything oh, yeah, that's self-destructive or just a waste of time yeah yeah god yeah i love all um i do like trashy tv oh um, good I find it really relaxing actually um what's your favorite love- trashy show um, we got really obsessed with Selling Sunset for a while. That oh, was like, good. That is trashy. I'm a little disappointed in you. So trashy. Yeah, that's <laughs> really trashy. But we got so into it. Um, really, really into that. Um, obviously, Housewives, yeah, I've watched them on and off. I don't know all of it, but I've, I've watched it on and off. And I always, in fact, I, I first started that on a job. I think I went to germany or something with helena christensen and somehow we didn't end up shooting the first day and i was sort of in the middle of nowhere on my own and i ended up watching there's my first time i'd ever seen the housewives of orange county Ooh. and i just and i just binged it all day and i was like oh my god this is amazing like and i was like oh my i said to everyone on the job have you seen this thing the housewives of orange county this was years ago oh my god it's amazing you've got to watch it was it from the first <laughs> did you watch it from the beginning yeah, I think it was quite like early in. It like all the ago. silky jewel tone tops with the pineapple upside down hair. Oh yeah, loads of like blue, um, blue satin halter mm-hmm. necks and stuff like that. It and was then major. The, all the foundation really? was too light and too pink. Mm, loads the, of sort of pink tan and body. Gray. Oh, it's so yeah, I can't imagine being a Brit watching that. I mean, I'm horrified being an American <laughs> having that. Like being a Brit, I just would think like you just must think we are so low no no absolutely the same it's the same here there's but you know just the only way is essex the only way is chelsea all kinds totally. of like trashy. yeah you have it too there's loads loads and loads of trashy tv here. you have those Tons girls who are really fair and put on tons of muddy bronzer yeah yeah, yeah that's I've right seen that in the yeah. UK. orange orangey yeah, bronzer i yeah, love this no, british show on um youtube called um charity shop sue Oh, I haven't seen that. Oh my god, I'll have to write that down. Hold she on. she's in um, Shop Sue. Shop Sue. Um, okay. She is. It's very like Little Britain or um, something along those lines. I mean, she is so funny. I think you'll love it. It's like my new oh, like um, you know go to bed brilliant. watching that show. Um, so here's yeah. a final question to you that I like to ask everyone: is if you were able to step into a magic time machine and go back. Where would you meet yourself and what would you say? Oh, gosh. Um, I'd like to do it like once a year and go back. <laughs> because yeah. there's always mistakes every year, let's face it. I'd love to do it on, a, on an annual basis. Um, God, there's which 
moment is the least damaging that I'd like to stop because there's been so many kind of ups and downs and uh, probably when I maybe was first getting into like makeup I've, I've done everything very slowly and in my own time which I, I like because it's meant it's been more organic but mm-hmm. I think I probably could have um, maybe just in the very beginning, put myself out there quite a bit more when I very first started doing makeup because I was almost apologetic, you know, because it wasn't really a career that anyone recognized, particularly at that time, or that I thought I'd ever be lucky enough to be able to do. So when I started testing and and doing it, I almost didn't believe it. I kept doing, um, you know, other jobs and, and doing makeup on the side. And in the back of my mind, I was convinced it was going to work, but I think I probably would tell myself yes it is going to work so just go for it now and hurry up probably that that's good advice and then it yeah, certainly has worked for you that. yeah i mean I love it's, that. Um, it's been a long old journey but uh, it's been interesting that's what i can definitely say lisa do you have time to play a quick game before we go yeah sure okay so I'm going to i'm gonna present you with choice a or choice b and you have to choose between the two Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the first one is English humor or American humor? Humor, humor. <laughs> English humor. Oh, but I do like the. No, hold on a minute. I like the American Office better than the British Office. But oh, then yeah. I do love um, Catherine Tate and all that, which is very British. So, ooh, mm, that's hard. I love British I like humor. Those. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Fish and chips or burger and fries? Fish and chips. Okay. Britain for two and two. Um, <laughs> stiff upper lip or stiff drink? Both, because the stiff the drink's going to give you the stiff upper lip. Nice. It's going to help you just to forget and just move on. <laughs> Rain- <laughs> range Rover or home on the range? Um, home on the range. Nice. Foundation or concealer? Mm, oh, I like to use them both in different ways. So, uh, concealer. Mm, nice one. Uh, pretty palette or pretty packaging? Mm, I don't, I'm not into the packaging. So, I say good product. Is that the same as good palette? Good. <sighs> I guess what I was thinking was like making a pretty palette, like when people depot things and make it like that, or keep it in the pretty packaging that it comes in. Oh, okay. Depot. That wasn't no, clear pretty, at all. Yeah. Pretty palette. Pretty okay. Palette. Even though you have your own beautiful palettes for your, like, I would feel bad taking your lipsticks out of the, out of the uh, packaging. I know I do that and people do get upset, but I say, look, I've got my back to think of. Makeup right. artists carry stuff. We have to think of our back. Totally. Uh, founda- this is back to um, Real Housewives of Orange County Foundation too light or too dark Oh both awful So um, Okay we'll have to go too light Right But, and it, but to be honest uh, That's a tough one I think it's equally bad Right Let's say too light yeah. but then you can frame the face Yeah <laughs> um, Let's just put a high neck on yeah, exactly. Hide your hands too. Wear some gloves. Oh God, the hands—that's the. Oh, worst. the hands, Trump. When you, 
When I see the high, the light color hand on the or yeah, it's yeah. Bad. It's our bad. our um, stupid ass president has like the pumpkin this week because he's so stressed, and then his hands are like pale pink, <laughs> uncooked chicken. Can always tell it moves from the dichotomy of the two. Um, oh gosh, foundation too heavy or none at all? Too heavy. I don't like that. So I'll have none at all. Sorry. None, okay, yeah, none at all. Yeah. Overdrawn lip or overdrawn bank account? Um, I love an overdrawn lip, personally. Okay. It's my favorite. I love the lip um, tutorial you did recently. I thought it was genius. Oh, yeah. The, about the corner. The it was so good. Um, yeah. Botox or no talks? No talks. Okay. Editorial or red carpet? Both. 50-50. Okay. You're actually someone who I'm going to accept that from. Okay, thank you. (laughs) The Crown or Doctor Who? Do you know what? I loved The Crown at the beginning. I was so into it. The last series, I just thought I wasn't convinced, actually. I thought it was a little bit, I don't know. I didn't love it as much. I was disappointed. You saw season four, the most recent one? Mm, Yeah, Yeah. I was disappointed with it. I thought it was gone a little bit salacious, but not in a great way. So I was a bit disappointed. So, um I would have normally said the crown and I will still say the crown, but I am, I'm waiting for it to, I'm waiting for the next series. So the crown. Okay. Well, good one. And the last question, why cats? Why do you have four cats? I, can you explain the phenomenon? Okay. Tell me, tell me why. I don't know. My whole life I've been really into cats. So I've got pictures of me really young with cats and hanging out with cats and, I just think they are so fascinating. Um, I love all animals, I have to say that. But <clears throat> So I would have dogs if I lived in a different place, maybe in the middle of the countryside. I would also have dogs as well and probably several other animals too. Um, but cats kind of just fit into your life. They don't care if you are, I don't know, they just like, yeah, whatever. They just have such a good attitude to life. And they, they, if they want to be petted, they'll come over. If they don't, they'll just give you a filthy look. I just love it. I just think they are absolutely brilliant characters. Um, and I just find them hilariously funny. And they are day, so beautiful. So. They're so beautiful. Is that what you look uh, for in uh, friends and partners? Possibly, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> you I want definitely a cat. like. I definitely, yeah, I definitely like people that that speak up and um, just say what they think. Um, I, I prefer that to, um, you know, pretending. So I think cats will just be like, oh no, I'll just give you a filthy look, which my cats do, um, and and I really appreciate that. I think it's great. Yeah, that makes you <laughs> probably want to do a cat eye. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, so isn't that an original well. comment? <laughs> there's a brilliant there's a brilliant um there's a brilliant quote actually by I think it's Terry Pratchett, the writer, and he says, um, in ancient Egypt cats were gods and goddesses, um, and it's a fact which they have never forgotten. And I think that's absolutely true. Wow. Yeah, totally. You look at a cat and they're like, You just don't get this. <laughs> no, you're just staff. You never own a cat, you're just staff, that's fine. Oh my gosh. You know what? I like cat people. My other friend, Alison Bree is a cat person. My mom is 
someone who has like, like there's a hamster living in my childhood bedroom right now. She's always rescuing. She rescued a wild turkey once and put it in the bathroom until it turned on the sink. Like it's that kind of house. But oh, um, brilliant. at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. And they were all raised like me, like just like feral animals. But at the end of the day, she's like, I like the cats. And I was like, what are you talking about? You know? So I got to believe it. <laughs> yeah. What do you like best? I mean, I have a dog. We have we got a lab, and um, I just oh, love dogs. I love Labradors. Oh my god, they've got the best personalities. Yeah, but I love Jack Russells as well. So we I had love- a Jack Russell who was a crazy fucking dog, like insane. Yeah, but they're smart. Yeah, they're mad. He, yeah. he came from yeah. like a um, high society gay man who lived in Sausalito, like on <laughs> boats and went to museum openings, and then he came to my mom's house, and it was like. You know, welcome to yeah. the backwoods, baby. It was so funny. Oh, um, all right, Lisa, I I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on my little old podcast. I think you Thank are you so much for having so me. I hope it was awesome. You're like um you're somebody who I actually in- inspired to be like. And um, I want to be your friend. I know that sounds so lame and whatever, but I'm going to like stalk you from now well, on. Well, we are friends. Yeah, we, we are. We met in Rome. No, but like we I might come Rome. for a month and like sleep on your sofa. You. Yeah, come. <laughs> You're welcome. You'll love it here. It's just animals and, and stuff all over. I, I told you I live in an old uh, piano factory. You're going to love it. Well, uh, is, has, is it. I want to look online or send me some photos. I'd love, I was saying I love British homes. I'm just obsessed with the color palettes and the wallpaper and the tapestry and all of it oh right yeah you'll love it here then there's a lot of lot of print <laughs> oh yeah i want to see it and hopefully your uh brand or your work will bring you to uh the states and we can get together yeah oh my god i'm so missing the states i'm really missing it i can't wait to come back it's been so long and i'm missing all my american friends so i absolutely i'm desperate to that's the first place i want to come actually so yeah i will let you know please do when if and when we're allowed to travel again. Yeah. All right. Well, be well and um, right, thanks again. Darling, well, best, yeah, stay well and thanks so much for everything. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye.